So this just in, Nick Bosa's good, Rami. What? Yeah, he's a good football player. When did this happen? It's not bad. He produces, as they say. He produces. Elite edge guy. He's all right. 18 and a half sacks last year. So uh, Nick was with the media this week discussing his play, kind of what he's looking forward to, what he's focused on. And uh, here was Bosa with the media talking about him improving. Just overall, there's improvements to be made at each facet of my game. and um, But most of the offseason is just preparing myself for a long year and uh, making sure that my body's going to be able to take on the load of, of uh, 21 games. Um, so... Uh, just taking days off. I'd say I've been taking a little more time um, to, like, not forcing myself to push through the things. Or I'm learning my body every year. I'm, I'm making small tweaks, but I'm improving speed, strength. Um, my body comp is probably similar. Um, but yeah, just uh, taking those days when I when I need them and. Um, not forcing myself to push through when it's May or, or April or those months where if I push through something, it, it's kind of pointless at that point. Rami, with how good Bosa is, do you think it's even possible that he can improve? Um, only in the sense that he, he could be healthier. Injuries have, have, have kept him out of games here and there throughout his NFL career, and he talked there about you know tweaking his program and including maybe more rest and recovery days, especially – if he's feeling something, to not not push himself through that, especially in the off season, that's that's smart. But outside of that, Nick, outside of just being healthier and more available, I don't know how this guy gets much better. He was already arguably the most impactful defensive player in the NFL last year. When you look at what he did, and and he was rewarded for that with the Defensive Player of the Year award. If anything, I think that while he might not look that much better, and his numbers, I don't know if they can if they can get much better when you look at what he did for the 49ers last year. His impact could be greater felt. Yeah. With the Javon Hargrave signing. Right. With Drake Jackson maybe taking that second-year leap and, and just a deeper defensive line and fresher legs for guys to more frequently, more effectively, specifically Javon Hargrave and all the money that they gave him, taking advantage of the attention that a Nick Bosa gets from an opposing defense. I don't think I don't think teams are going to take their eye off Nick Bosa because of Javon Hargrave. You know what I mean? I think if you have to pick your poison, you're still saying put two if not three guys on old Bosa over there and we'll take our chances with Hargrave more times than not. I think that's probably the call that an opposing offensive coordinator or play caller is making. I don't know if he's that much better. His impact could be that much more felt if the guys around him are more effective in taking advantage of his presence. I think he could get better. I think he could really? get better. I think he could impact the game more. Yeah, because look, you know, the one thing we talked about last year with Bosa was that he did not have a consistently impactful edge opposite of him. And I just think that I get your point about, well, you know, coaches will still double and tr- you can't double everybody. And so, yeah, maybe they would double Bosa and, and nobody else, but it, it really depends on the matchups and it depends on, hey, are you weak 
on one side of the line? Are you weak on the interior? If you're going against this football team this year and you're looking at Hargrave and Armstead across from you and you're not comfortable or confident in your center or two guards, you're going to have some major issues because in that kind of world, you would like to try to help those guys out. If you're doubling one of Hargrave and Armstead, then that's going to leave Bosa in a situation where he could be one-on-one on the edge. And if you have somebody opposite of Bosa, i.e. Drake Jackson, who's giving you some production, and he he proves himself at the NFL level to be able to get at the quarterback, now you've got four guys. You've got four guys that can get to the quarterback at any time. And that, the, the overwhelming feel of that is what's going to get to offenses because at some point you're going to be leaky. And if you start leaking and giving up sacks, then you got some big-time issues. And so I think the help that Bosa could get on the defensive line will help him be better individually and also bring that impact to the game. So I think he could get better. I also think, look, just by looking at pro athletes, Rami, he's 26 years old, right? So he's going to be 26 in October. He still hasn't reached his prime. His prime is, you know, he's probably about he's probably about a year, year and a half before he hits his true athletic prime. And so if you think of it that way, you know, if we're, we're talking about a guy who, you know, has yet to reach his prime. And, you know, don't forget, 2020, he pretty much missed the entire season. Mm-hmm. So you could even say he's, you know, 25 in some kind of sort of way, right? So in terms of mileage, yeah. yeah. I mean, I still think he's he's young enough to improve. The defensive line, I think, is going to be better this year, which should make him even better. So I I do think uh, now it's all gradations, right? I, I don't think this guy is going to be able to you know rack up twenty seven sacks this year, but but I do think if he's somewhere in the low twenties, wouldn't surprise me whatsoever which would be an improvement. The fact he did what he did last year, Nick, with the instability around him on that defensive line, especially the interior defensive line, it's it's great to get 18 and a half sacks when he was literally the guy that, that teams were focused on 99 times out of 100 when you're talking about opposing play callers and, and where they would divert their attention. It's just crazy that he was able to do what he did last year with with that defensive line that that he was working on, it's yeah. remarkable, man. It is, and, and I, I think you know that talent is going to show out even more this year. As long as he stays healthy, as long as that defensive line and front seven stay healthy, he looks like he's on that Rami Makhlouf workout program. Is that what he looks? I think like? so. Yeah. Hmm. Did you did you talk to him during the off season? Maybe. I don't disclose. Did you tell him that you hate his brother's face? Maybe. I would never. You didn't give any of the workout. Never. You didn't give out any of the workout advice to, to Joey, did you? I hate your face, Joey. Get away from me. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, I know. I know what we're going to do next. What are we going to do next? We're going to talk options for the Kings in this year's draft with Raphael with Barlow. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's coming up in 90 seconds. All right. Cattles. And Rami. Sacktown Sports. It's a vibrant thing. Come on. I love right. this song. Oh, the video? One of my favorites. Oh, man. Uh, let's get to the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Let's. 
Folsom Lake Honda is, of course, your one-stop Honda shop. And joining us on that hotline is our friend Raphael Barlow, Director of Scouting at the NBA Big Board. Uh, Raphael, thank you for your time. It is uh, much appreciated on this Wednesday, my friend. Let's start with Chris Murray because he's somebody that a lot of people here in Sacramento have been mentioning. Uh, compare his game to Keegan's, Raphael, for us, please. Um, there's some similarities, obviously, because they're twins. I know one is right-handed, one is left-handed. I mean, obviously, Keegan is, is, is the better player, but I think that just the one-year age difference could end up being like a 20-spot draft difference. And so, um, but I think I think Chris is, is good. I, I think the, the thing about Chris that a lot of people are are underestimating is that you, you, you got a guy that's ready to come in to contribute right away. And by the end of his rookie year, you have him in his prime. So you're going to get some really good years out of him. Oh, I thought we lost him. We got you there? Yes. Yeah, so okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, got you. We got you now. Okay. So when you say it might cost him, you know, 20 spots when you talk about his age, do you, are you saying that he, he, he just might be available when the Kings are on the board? I think so. I, I think that some teams are going to gamble on upside and guys that are younger. But I think that for Chris, I mean, the best situation for him is to go to a team that is looking for someone that can come in and contribute right away. So I think it's a strong possibility that he'll be available for Sacramento. Raphael Barlow is with us here on Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports on a Wednesday. Uh, another guy that's been linked with the Kings, he came in recently to work out for them, Raphael, is Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. What does he bring to the table as a player? Well, you can make a case and say he is, on paper, the most productive player in this class outside of Wimbayama. Just looking at rebounds, he blocks shots. He is a very, very underrated passer. Yeah. A little bit undersized, and he doesn't stretch the floor. At least he didn't show that he could stretch the floor in college. But I think that he's someone that probably can shoot it better than we think. It's just he was so dominant at the college level playing around the basket, and it was really no need for him to bail defenses out by shooting jumpers when they couldn't stop him inside. You know, Kings fans aren't used to the, this team drafting where they're drafting this year. They're they're more used to being in, in the lottery, top five, top ten, somewhere around there. Is this a good year, though, to, to be – where they're at, is this a deeper draft than we've seen in previous years, or are they going to have a tough time finding some talent there? No, it's, it's, it's a lot of talent. I think between 15 through 30, it's pretty fluid. And, I mean, if a guy goes 15, it wouldn't surprise me. If he falls to 25 or even 30, it wouldn't surprise me. It's a lot of young wings. I think it's somewhat of a crapshoot in a sense because, um, for the most part, teams are trying to – 19-year-olds after like 30 games. So there's going to be some hits. There's going to be some misses. But I think it's a draft where someone could be in the late 20s or mid-20s and they provide the same value as someone selected in the lottery. Raphael Barlow, director of scouting at the NBA Big Board, is with us here on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. Raphael, uh, one more from me on the Kings here. I want to drill down on impossible targets or at least level of talent you know, some of the more intriguing names in the 20 to 25 range that we haven't brought up yet. That You know, no Murray, no no Trace Jacks Davis. 
some other names that you could see going between that 20 and 25 spot that would make some sense? Yeah, one name that sticks out to me is Derek Whitehead. And Whitehead was someone that a lot of people thought was going to be a top five to ten pick coming into the season. He suffered like a, a broken foot. And I want to say it was like October. Came back. Wasn't really the, the player that everyone thought he would be. But the reason I was impressed with his production was in a the ball in his hand, had to settle as a spot-up shooter. He shot over 40% from three. And so if he can put the three-point shooting that he showed this year in college along with the, the ball handling and the playmaking that made him such a highly touted prospect coming into college, then, you know, whoever gets him late in, in the first round, is they could have a real skill there. Is Victor Wembanyama really the the unicorn that he's being? Is there is there a hole, a flaw in this guy's game or, or something that you see that could be the, the Achilles heel in what seems like a, a can't-miss prospect there? I mean, obviously he can get better as a shooter, and he can get stronger and, and develop a little bit more physically. But I've had a chance to watch him play live maybe four or five times. And watching him play, like, last season, I thought, okay, you know, I, I get the potential. Then I went to Paris and watched him play a couple times. And, I mean, it was really – and NBA spacing at the, the showcase against Scoot Henderson, you really saw what he's capable of. I mean, a lot of people aren't realizing that the first game was on a Tuesday and he played in France on a Friday night. So it was literally Friday night game, fly across the country on, I want to say, like they probably got to the States on Sunday, had a day off, and then he goes out and scores, I think it's like 34 points in his first game. And I think he's just going to look really good with NBA spacing and with, like, NBA playmaking. Like, he had a, a small point guard in Tremont Waters who wasn't able to really utilize him as a vertical lob threat because Tremont is so small. So imagine him with a, a a good point guard that can steal over the top of defenses and that can get him those easy lobs. And we're talking about a guy with a 7'5", or like an 8' nine wingspan or something like that that can jump out the gym. So he can even get those easy points. But even talked about what he does on the defensive end. Raphael Barlow, director of scouting at NBA Big Board with us. Raphael, uh, there are reports out there that Charlotte is leaning toward Brandon Miller instead of Scoot Henderson at number two. Do you think that'd be a mistake? No, <laughs> no. I talked about it back in January that I think Brandon Miller could go number two. And I, I mean, I just got roasted for it all over social media for even thinking about it. But no, I think it's a, a real possibility. I know school was kind of like the, the guy that was crowned the, you know, the one a after the, the Wimbayama showcase, but Brandon Miller had a really good year. I mean, he, he didn't finish strong, but neither did school. I think the biggest difference is that Brandon Miller's, um, bad finish, for lack of a better term, was on display on TV while Scoots wasn't. And so I think the difference also is Miller offers a little bit more. He can handle the ball, shot 40% from three the majority of the season on like seven attempts per game. And so I think a team like Charlotte that already has their point guard of the future or point guard of the present may feel like Miller provides outside shooting. He, he's bigger. 
and um, he can defend multiple positions. So I, I can see why they would go in that direction. That that begs the question then: how does how does Scoot fit with with Dame? Should he end up in Portland with that three pick? Honestly, man, Scoot was the biggest loser with the way the the lottery results turned out. I mean, the ideal situation for him would have been, you know, San Antonio or, or maybe Houston. But other than that, all the other teams really have a situation where he wasn't going to be the clear-cut primary ball handler from day one. So the, the fit in Portland, and I think Portland ends up probably trading the pick. It, either Dame stays and they trade the pick to get – then they'll give Scoot the keys. So I think draft night is going to be wild. It's going to be like a flurry of big trades. Oh, I hope you're right. It's always fun with big trades on draft night. Raphael, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. Great stuff. Let's do it again soon. All right, anytime. Let me know. There goes Raphael Barlow, director of scouting at uh, the NBA Big Board. So he would not be uh, too surprised if Brendan Miller's the pick. And I think, you know, the more we talk about the draft and the more we get into the idea of, of Charlotte having that second pick, it becomes you know less and less of a surprise if Scoot doesn't go too because, mm-hmm. again, the, the general kind of feel out there and the rumblings are that uh, Scoot is, is go- not going to go in the top two, that he's going to fall to three or maybe even further. And like Raphael said on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline just a moment ago, it, it gets really interesting you know, what Portland decides to do because you're sitting there at three – and you should land a game changer. And I was reading today that, you know, Shaden Sharp is untouchable. Portland does not want to trade Shaden Sharp. They have absolutely zero plan of doing that. I can see why. So, you know, you look at it, you go, okay, do we bring in another young guy? And we, do we use that third pick? And do we trade Dame Lillard and get more picks and, and try to rebuild this thing, you know, younger and kind of for the future? It's it, it, because you also now have to look at the CBA, the mm-hmm. new CBA. Dame's going to be making 60 plus million in a couple of years, man. You're going to be in in some some trouble as far as decision making goes just based off of that Dame contract. So, it's all very very interesting. A lot of moving pieces. What could happen with uh with Portland coming I up in like the draft? It. I like it. Yeah, man. I I hope it's uh an explosive night. A fun night. I hope. Can't wait. All right, coming up next, rankings that made Rami's head spin. I got soul, baby. I got more than you know. I always want to know when they're like, uh, when he's in the booth, when the song is like for the beginning of the song. The talk over? Yeah. I want to be in the studio when he's just like by himself and he's like, he's recutting it because he's not going to get it the first time. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, baby. And they're like, no, no, go lower. Yeah, baby. Say it a little quicker. Yeah, baby. Like how many times do you have to go through that? And does it is it off the top of his head? <laughs> the best way. Is it just uh, like uh, you? Is like acting out a scene. You're with the girl. You're in your living room. I want you to think of this. Wine <laughs> on the table. Fireplace. Like yeah. The wood. What's my motivation? <laughs> you look in her eyes and you say what? The best was. Uh, Go on, baby. Boys <laughs> to men would just do that mid song. They'd just have an oh, interlude yeah. where they just oh, start. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
they'd stop the song to just talk in the middle girl, of it. Girl, I know I was wrong. That's right, baby. <laughs> I was so wrong to do that to you. You just put a love letter, a literal love letter in the middle of his song. Not on rhythm, nothing. nothing. There's no melody to it, just... Just middle of the song, just decided to start talking. Did you guys get down with Jodeci as well? Yes. Yes. Of course. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kyle question. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did we? We sure damn did. Yeah, baby. Bow with the bow, the bow, the bang, bang, diggy, 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 dong, 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 diggy. What am I doing? What am I doing? It's uh, a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I was so matter of fact about it, too. So uh, let's get back to sports. Sports! Uh, so The Athletic has some rankings of wide receivers and tight ends. and It's list season, baby. It is list it season. It is list season and, uh, in the this, NFL. This specific list had Rami's head spinning a little bit. Because this is science, Nick. This isn't just some guy, you know, oh, oh, I watched football, and these are who I think are the best wide receivers. Yeah. No, this is this is science. These are algorithms. These are formulas that went into that went into the athletics list. I love a good algorithm. Of wide receivers, including... I get worked up like Keith Sweat over a good algorithm. EPA per reception, receptions. Yeah, numbers, baby. EPA per target. Yeah. Targets, reception percentage, all this factored in. Uh, th- th- these are just numbers. They just fed the numbers into the machine, and the machine spit out its wide receiver rankings. And I opened it up, and I'm going, "Oh well, we know we know the 49ers got a good rece- wide receiver core, right? Of course we do. We know they do. Debo, Ayuk, and they they have them in groups of ten. So they list like one through ten. Then there's a little write up on those ten guys, and then it's eleven through twenty, a little write up, and I just. I just kept on. I was like, okay, they're not in one through ten. All right, they're not top ten wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, not not the biggest crime right, in the world. Exactly. Of lists. And then I got to eleven through twenty, and I was like, well, still, still no Debo, still no Ayuk. Mm. We're, we're through twenty now. And then I was like, well, surely they're somewhere in twenty-one through thirty. They have to right? be in the top Must thirty, be. right? Nope. We got all the way through now. George Kittle. He landed right there squarely at 25. There you go. 26. I'm sorry. 26. You got somebody on the list. Among wide receivers and tight ends. But still, I got through 30, nothing. 31 through 40, nothing. You had to get to the group of 51 through 60 to finally get to a 49ers wide receiver. And that was Brandon Ayuk, who was 58. And then you go to the next group to find, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, two groups later, in 71 through 80, and you find Debo Samuel right there at 80. I was now it's an off season list, so I don't want to overstate this. I was as shocked as you could be by an off season list <laughs> when, I, when I went through this and saw him sitting at number eighty. And again, there is no subjectivity to this. This isn't opinion based. This they just took a bunch of categories, numbers, statistics, fed yeah. them into an algorithm, and it says that. The 49ers don't have a top 50 wide receiver, and Debo is around 80th in the league if in in the rankings of wide receivers and tight ends. I find that hard to believe. That is outrageously comical. Um, and look, maybe it's uh, a little bit more justified because, as you said, it's just pumping numbers into a system and that system spitting out names for mm-hmm. you. Because I wonder 
when when you look at lists like this, the first thing I ask is, well, are, are they considering the human element? Are they considering intangibles? Are they considering the context of this conversation? You know, did we not consider the fact that the Niners had three quarterbacks last year? Right. And how did that impact the play of your wide receivers? You know, if you're if you're comparing Brandon Ayuk to another receiver that has a top-notch quarterback, then that guy's numbers are going to be better than Ayuk's because he had better quarterback play. So how much, you know, did did that play a role? I'd have to say a, a considerable amount, significant. Brandon Ayuk was 22nd in the league in receptions last year. So he was just outside the top 20 in catches. And that was with the quarterback situation. I do not know how, outside of, well, just numbers. I I don't know how you do not list him in at least the top 30 or so of receivers because it's receivers and tight ends. So, you know, I might buy 25 to 30 because you got to lump in Kelsey and other guys. But I, I just, how about the depth of the weapons? You know, do they count? The depth of the weapons of a team. like It's easier to put up big numbers if you're one of two guys or the only guy who's getting a ton of targets. When you're somebody like Ayuk and Debo, you're battling each other. You're battling Kittle. You're battling CMC. There's a lot of stuff at work. So it is what it is. Another uh, Niners note for you. Sam Darnold Rami repped with the ones today. Oh, That's right. Whoa. What? You got some QB1 bang, reps. Bang, bang, Niner bang, bang, Niner There's gang. your starting quarterback, Niner gang. Sam Darnold. Slow down now, Rami. Slow, Nick, <laughs> slowing down for me, please. Slow down. Well, we're not crowning anybody the starter on June 7th? I'm going to hit you with the Aaron Rodgers. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Am I overreacting? Yes. I'm sorry. Am I being hyperbolic? You are. Oh. you're. you're I regret that. Uh, <laughs> you're going a little too far, Rami. Okay. Going fair a enough. a little too far. That's fair. Uh, look. Are we not tracking who's getting the one reps every day? I'm not. Hmm. You can if you'd like. I'm on QB Watch 24, baby. This is why Sammy signed a deal, right? This is why Sammy signed the one-year deal. Sam signed the one-year deal because he was he was told that I would imagine he's going to at least be able to compete for something. Mm-hmm. Now, what he's really going to compete for is keep his job and not, you know. No, that's QB1 right stink. there. That's QB1 right there. Brock Purdy. You show him some respect. Worked with the ones today. I'd make a wrestling joke, but it won't it won't really land. So I won't do it. Try it. Nah. The effort's not even worth it, frankly. Okay. Especially not now. You know what? What? We've got something else to talk about that I do think Do we know? The effort is worth it. What are we talking about? Rami does the United States uh-huh. have aliens in its possession. Mm. I mean, we go straight to the good stuff. We got a shocking revelation coming up. I didn't know there was a remix of Eddie Murphy's Party All the Time. Neither did I, but uh, apparently there is, and we're in the middle of it right now. Little DJ Khaled. Really? Khaled made it in uh, Quavo and Takeoff. Are you telling me? DJ Khaled is talking to Stephen A. Smith right now. That was good, Rami. Yeah, I I railroaded the joke. Stepped right on it. Yeah. And now everyone's quiet. And they're both wearing white. That's what you do in Miami. Uh, that's what some people do in Miami. I'm not a big fan of white. Isn't that a thing in Miami? Oh, I can't wear white because uh, I eat, you know? <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> JJ, meanwhile, big fan of the, the white. white? Yeah, oh, I eat yeah. all day. Tear yeah. it up. 
JJ will rock Especially in the tea. summer. That's all I do. I go buy a box of white tees, mm-hmm. literally, and that's all I wear. Love it. I might do Love that. It. Can I steal your style? You just said you don't wear white because you eat. And now, yeah, but if I have a whole box of them, they're just like you know, replaceable. Yeah, they become napkins at that point. Oh, stop! Uh, By the way, (laughs) that's that Rami money right there. Okay, Uh, text line. uh, We were doing wrestling. We were doing wrestling villains heels during our uh, draft mockery today, and uh, I will say that DJ Khaled's got a really, really clean hairline. Um, But uh, we were talking about. We talked about some guys who have like the perfectly lined beards. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One's professionally done. So we had that as a draft mockery. Iron Sheik, mm-hmm. rest in peace. Got a couple of texts. 916 339 They wanted to jump in on that. Uh, the Junkyard Dog. Classic. Love the Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog was fantastic. Love that, dude. The big old chain. Just bark at you. It's <laughs> exactly what he used to sound like. <laughs> K-9-ers, right? He, he scared the life. He, he scared the bejesus out of opponents. He didn't want to mess around with Junkyard Dog when he did that. Put the fear of God in you. Yes. yes. Uh, Bad News Brown also, which led Rami down the rabbit hole of trying to remember who Bad News Brown was. The name oh. sounds familiar. And then I went Speak and Googled him, and I was like, I don't remember this man. Like, only the name rings a bell. I was like, surely if I put a face to the name, I'll remember. But it did nothing. It did nothing for me. I cannot. I have no recollection or memories of I Bad try News to Brown. give you some kind of description of him. You know, yeah, black just, trunks and. Uh, he had a terrible attitude. Yeah. Yeah, he was oh. bad news. terrible. He was yeah, bad, bad news. news. Bald, um, beard. African American. Uh, yeah, I saw him. I saw the images of him. Legit, I just, legit badass in judo. I was like, oh, I don't remember this person. And I, I told you that ba- Bad News Brown is historically known as one of the toughest men that had ever been in wrestling. Like legitimately. In real not, life. Yeah, not on the script. And there's a story about Bad News Brown quickly before we get to, of course, aliens. Um, as we do. <laughs> as we have to. Right. Yesterday was UFOs. we got to follow it up strong. There's a story. That Andre the Giant, all the guys were on a bus, and Andre the Giant used a racial slur either towards Bad News Brown or in conversation. And Bad News Brown stood up, told the bus driver to stop the bus, pull to the side of the Uh road, which the bus driver did. And Bad News walked up to Andre the Giant and said, let's take this outside the bus. I came on here ready for the smoke. <laughs> you know what Andre did? Not a damn thing. Apologized. He sat there. Yeah. He did not move and then later apologized. That should tell you about Bad News Brown and how legit of a badass he was. Not many people said stuff to Andre, even if Andre know. said something outrageously racial. I didn't know Andre the Giant had that in him. I thought uh, he was more a gentle yeah. giant. Look, I, I don't know. Everything I hear is sweet man. Well, mm-hmm. that's a not-so-sweet story about not. the job. Yeah. But uh, Bad News Brown was ready to get that working, and uh, Andre was like, I'll pass, thanks. I'm good. I'll stay right here on the on bus. On second thought, I'm fine right where I am. Don't really need the, you feel the need of getting off this bus. Don't feel like it. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, aliens. So yesterday, we had this uh, intelligence official, Dave Grush, who is uh, now a whistleblower. Because he's he's telling the world about how the United States has 
UFOs in possession, intact non-human aircraft in their possession. And, of course, the media has caught wind of this, and they went directly to the White House because you're going to get answers from there, of course. Oh, yeah. Always They're honest. They're telling us everything. Always honest. For that sure. big White House. Yes. Every administration. Just nothing but Nothing but truth and honesty. Transparent. Yes. I mean, if I'm going to go to somebody to get the hard facts and truth of, the, of this world that is a politician. They wouldn't keep us, the American people, in the dark. The people up top. Of course not. The people no. up top are always. Yes. Looking always out. moral and and looking out for us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always thinking of the little man for and sure. And a woman. Oh yeah. yeah. Five stars. I had to make sure I said woman or Simone was going to come in here and tackle me during the segment. Her <laughs> eyes were going to roll into the back of her head. Yes. Bad news, Brown. That's what we we're going to start calling. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally be that. Simone was going to say, "JJ, stop the show. I got to take Nick outside. You All know right. I can lift fools up. It ain't no problem." Yeah, remember she picked some dude up at a Kings game? Not mm-hmm. like picked him up like with power bombed like, him. No, like, not, what are we talking? Not about like here? with a clever line. Not no, with a pickup. No, no, she no. physically picked the dude up while celebrating a Kings victory. Mm-hmm. A large man. Remember he he commented on the YouTube page. He was like, "You were here for two. that, yeah." How do you, man. How do you think he felt about that in the moment? Oh God. Probably conflicted. Not great. Say conflicted. Not great. It, we were celebrating. It was a happy moment. Five Don't foot three Simone comes strolling this. over and picks you up. <laughs> you gave me an extra inch. Did uh-huh. I? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. So, of course, the media was going to ask press secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre about this revelation. And, and here's what happened. Our report uh, alleging that the U.S. military has been retrieving craft of non-human origin for at least several decades. Are we alone? And if we were not, would you even tell us? I would refer that question to the Department of Defense and let them answer that question for you. I ain't saying a damn thing. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, that wasn't possible. That wasn't a denial. It's not a denial. I didn't hear a denial no. there. Like not no. referring, referring me to the Department of Defense. I'm I'm not okay. She could have easily said nope. <laughs> well, again, <laughs> you know what I mean. Department of Defense again, just straight shooters, as we know. Bro, yeah, they will, for they sure. Will tell there you, will get the answers. They will there, tell you precisely we, what yes, is happening for sure. Uh, so that was Corinne uh, Jean Pierre with her greatest Dikembe Mutombo, and uh, of course, like there's got to be more, and there is more. Our friends, uh, here's Dave Grush again in his uh, News Nation exclusive interview at a high level from the U.S. government, is saying publicly, we are not alone. We're definitely not alone. Absolutely, the data points empirically that we're not alone, yeah. Do we have bodies? Do we have species of Well, naturally, um, when you recover something that's either landed or crashed, um, sometimes you encounter um, dead pilots. And uh, believe it or not, as as fantastical as that sounds, it's true. Aliens! We have aliens, folks. We have aliens. They're amongst us. By the way, for some They're reason, dead. But you know, it's that much more chilling when in the British accent. He yes, goes, we are not alone. <laughs> yes. You know, we that, are right? not alone. We are not alone. That's so creepy. But I mean, this was the first thought I had. This is the obvious follow-up when he tells us that. Yeah, good job by the interviewer. UFOs of non-human origin have landed. You go. Well, were there any non-humans on those things? Like that is the that is the I want. I what I want is also he said dead any alive have we because have, 
a pilot doesn't necessarily crash or die in a crash landing. Even worse, did one eject and is amongst us and we don't know. Mm-hmm. Huh? Just ejected out of the UFO and could now... It, could it be you or me? Just hanging out with us. Could be me. Huh? I got an alien-shaped head. You could are be a me. strange fellow. Yes. Could be me. I've picked up on a few things where I'm like, this dude is not human. <laughs> is that what you said? <laughs> um, I-, I want specifics, though. Like, I are they short? Are they tall? Are they fat? Are they green like or gray? Or what, what are we doing? I like this guy tells us that they have found dead pilot aliens. What are these? Are they little like? What would be very funny is if these aliens are like a foot and a half tall. We've seen. <laughs> <laughs> he just got little aliens. Just, just little, on top of the monster. <laughs> <laughs> like little tiny aliens just walking around. <laughs> <laughs> but again, even if they are that small, as as Simone has shown us, powerful. They could they could still be very powerful. Yes, in that small package. You know what I mean? They could lift big men. They might have Jedi powers, Jedi Ooh. type powers, like telepathic, just lift you up by raising their hand. Now I'm you know what out. I mean? Now we don't know, out. man. We don't know. I demand pictures and videos. I mean, of we these ha- aliens. We've seen allegedly leaked dead pics. or alive. We've seen allegedly leaked pics from Roswell. Of the bodies that they have there. Can we take all of these little foot and a half aliens and make We don't it- even know they're a foot and a half. This was an uh, assertion listen, you made. Okay. They're a foot and a half. Okay. Can we get all these foot and a half aliens together and put them in one big museum display in like DC? Put a spotlight on them and we could just go see the aliens? Would you rather fight 50 foot and a half <laughs> aliens <laughs> or one 50 foot man, which uh, uh, hmm? one 50 foot man, because I, I might have a shot of at least outrunning them. If there's like 50 little foot and a half aliens I'm running a 50 foot one stride. Well, that's that takes 500 steps for you to, to cover one of his you strides. Not, You're not outrunning pretending. Him. It's a lot of math. I just have these little aliens grabbing me by the feet. Pulling me down. Yeah, 50 foot and a half tall aliens. You got like 10 of them holding you down. <laughs> Two or three of them just beating you up. The little tiny alien hands hold, holding your hands. I thought our shouting I thought our shouting match over aliens yesterday was stupid. <laughs> We've outdone ourselves is what we did here today. I, I, want, I want all of the 18-inch aliens. Hanging out. I was walking my dog last night. Put them all on a party bus. And for some reason, I just flashed back to you and me yelling at each other about aliens. You yelled at me. I don't know how much yelling I did. We both raised our voices. You yelled at me. And I was like, what was that? That's among the dumbest things I've done in my radio career. <laughs> Circling back to the ejection button. Yes. Are we talking then we have parachutes? These aliens. You would think they have some sort of ejection mechanism, right? You would think. I just had to. I'm sorry. You know what they look like because they're 18 inches. Like when they're when they're in the sky. You ever you want to go to the basketball games and they drop those little military guys? Yeah, that's what the With aliens the parachutes? look like. Yeah, little yeah. parachute, little 18 inch like aliens. Yeah, the gnomes or whatever floating on down. Yeah, I like that. Put them on a party bus and just. Send them around Vegas. JJ, someone would you rather out. fight 50 foot and a half tall aliens or one 50 foot tall man? Which I one? I think I'm taking the 50. The 50 aliens? The 50 aliens. You're out me. of your mind. I don't know. No, that's Jay says same. Oh, so that means it's it's better it's that the way. way to go. Yeah. Jay said it. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, you could just flail, just swing wildly, and you're probably taking out five five aliens right there. You know what I mean? If they're a foot and a half tall. We don't, don't know. know their powers, though, man. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. It sounds like a poll question. I'm more afraid of the unknown. I'm on it. 50-foot <laughs> dude. I know what a dude can do. I don't know what 50 aliens but what can do. What are you going to do to a 50-foot dude? Getting I'm going to take him on. out, Rami. I'm going to take him out. You're literally, yeah. yeah, you're literally getting stomped on. What a pump. What a pool. Mark. Mark. <laughs> Top story coming up. Cattles. And Rami. Sactown Sports.